Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Praise the Lord. Well, it's wonderful to be here this morning. Good morning, everybody. And a good morning to our precious family in Kenya, especially this morning. We miss you, but we're so glad you can join us like this today. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you this morning, a very great privilege. And I'm going to jump us straight in at the deep end this morning. No time on recapping, I'm afraid. We were in numbers prior to Christmas and pause with Christmas and all that was involved there. And now we're back in numbers again today. And uh, I'm going to focus our um, looking in the Word today on the rock, the rock of life. And the scripture that I want to start to present before you is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. And it says, And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that travelled with them, and that rock was Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God for his word. Um, I'm going to be looking at at the Israelites travelling through the wilderness and their encounters with two rocks uh, while they were travelling through the desert, it was not an easy time. It was a difficult time. And the first instance of looking at their meeting with the rock is in the book of Exodus. So not Numbers first of all, but Exodus first. And we're going to chapter 17. And we're going to read the first six verses. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me and why are you testing the Lord? But the tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? And are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. And I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. What a story, what an account. This had been a difficult travelling through the wilderness. They had become very disheartened, the Israelites. They were full of fear. Their faith had been overtaken by fear. And because they were afraid of dying in in the desert because there was no water, they were starting to actually blame and threaten Moses for their circumstances. Who has done this, they asked. Where is God in all of this, was the question. And the scriptures here describe the Israelites as those tormented by thirst. However, they had seen many supernatural things happen as they'd uh, left Egypt. They'd seen the the sea part it as Moses raised his his staff. 
They'd seen the pillar of cloud and fire leading them and guiding them and protecting them, the presence of God. They'd actually eaten manna that had come from heaven to sustain them, provided by the Lord. His presence had been with them. His provision had been with them. He had protected them. But still, the circumstances filled them with fear. So God gives Moses instructions and, and, and God is present. He stands on the rock before Moses in these instructions. He says, use the staff and strike the rock. Break it, strike it. And it opens. And then he says, water will gush out. And sure enough, water comes gushing out and everybody can drink and nobody need die of thirst because there was plenty of water from this split rock. This is great. But this is much more than just an, a miraculous account of provision from the Lord. This is a prophetic picture of Christ crucified. In Isaiah 53, in verses 4 to 5, it says, Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. But we, in turn, regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The rock was struck. The rock was crushed, struck. It was a violent striking. Jesus was crucified violently on a cross. He was stricken. And the water flows from the split, split lock, sorry, split rock, <laughs> uh, just like the side of Jesus on the cross. John 19 and verse 34 tells us, one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out from him. The split rock with the water coming forth is a picture of Jesus on the cross with his very lifeblood and water flowing from his body out. And yet we know that that water and that blood that flowed from Jesus was our redemption, our salvation. Those were waters of salvation. That was the blood and the water that washed us clean of, of all our sin. The rock was struck, the water flowed, and the drink came out, and the Israelites were saved from dead. But actually, there was a far greater salvation from death going on in this picture here and this instance. In John 4 and verse 14, it says, But those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, and it gives them eternal life. These are the words of Jesus. This is the rock. He produces a bubbling spring. We will never thirst again. He is our rock of salvation. Hallelujah. This act of violence caused waters to flow. They are symbolic of us being cleansed and washed. It's a wonderful picture. He's our rock of salvation. There does not need to be the torment of thirst, for he has come and made a way. He has been split open, and the way has been made for us to come into the presence of God. How wonderful. I've underlined that with a red felt tip in my notes. It is wonderful. Psalm 78 gives us a great uh, account. The psalmist records this event and the other event in numbers we're going to look at. And in Psalm 78 verse 15 about this rock here, he says, 
He split open the rock in the wilderness to give them water as from a gushing spring. Jesus was in the desert. They were not deserted. We've heard that before, haven't we? But it hasn't changed. Jesus was in the desert. They were not deserted. From the depths of the rock flowed love for us all. It's a personal, intimate moment for us as we see the depths of Jesus pouring out his love for us and yet making a way for us to walk into his presence. Hallelujah. So, pause. Let's turn the clock forward by 40 years. Let's turn the pages of our Bible into Numbers and chapter 20. Nearly 40 years have passed. During that time, the Israelites have been traveling round and round and round. It's been nearly 40 years of testing and trial, of challenge, a journey on which they had seen deaths on a mass scale, plagues, fear. Thus, they had become faithless. They were disillusioned. They were going through this groundhog day, this repetitive cycle in life. It was dark and they were difficult times. And once again, the same questions, the same questions. Why have you brought us here? What are we doing here? Why didn't you leave us in Egypt? We're all going to die. We're in a desert and there's no water. Where is God? What about my family, my livelihood? What's going to happen to us? And they start to blame Moses. We're going to pick this up in Numbers 20, and we're going to read from verse 4 to 11. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die, along with all our livestock, cry out the people? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You'll provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then him and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from the rock? Then Moses raised his hands and struck the rock twice with his staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Another amazing encounter at the rock. The instructions to Moses are really clear. It's very clear what he has to do. Look at the rock over there, speak to it. All the people are going to watch and it's going to pour out its water. Moses took the staff, the one he'd struck the rock with before. He shouted at God's people, you rebels! And then he struck the rock twice 
and water poured out and everybody got their water. Everybody was filled. Everybody drank. Everybody was saved from the death they were so afraid of. I'd like us to look at the rock first in this story and come on to Moses later. Moses has to speak to the rock over there because this is a large rock and there's going to be a large amount of water about to tumble down from this rock. In fact, it's going to become a mighty river and everyone must watch all this water come down. So there needs to be space because this is big, what is about to happen. Psalm 78, let's go back there and see the second verse, the account about the second rock. He says in verse 16, he made streams pour from the rock, making the waters flow down like a river. The Hebrew word for rock here is sela, which means a very large cliff, a high mountain. I'm so glad we have this backdrop today. Immovable. It's a high place where eagles rest in the crags. It's elevated. It's lifting up, lifted up. And this rock is pouring down water almost from the heavenlies, from a high and lofty place. There's provision coming from heaven. This rock is the exalted rock, the elevated rock. This rock is a prophetic picture of the risen, victorious Jesus Christ, exalted on high, pouring out rivers of living water upon all. Hallelujah. Red felt tip moment. John 7.37 says, anyone who's thirsty, who believes in me, may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. The two rocks are very different. The first rock produces a bubbling spring and it's described like a big boulder and a big rock. But the second rock is described like a river that comes from high up in the crags, high up in the lofty areas of a, of a large, large rock face. This second instance, this is an extraordinary quantity of water. I'm going to blow your minds now. There were 2.5 million Israelites plus all their livestock at this point. They needed 40 litres per day per person of water. That means they needed 100 million litres of water every day. <laughs> which is equal, now I don't understand this stuff, but some of you might, which is equal to 100,000 cubic metres of water a day. This is massive. This is abundant. This is plentiful. This river that comes down from the high place, down and produces a mighty river for the Israelites and their livestock to drink from. This river is powerful. It is strong. It changes the landscape. It saves lives. It causes things to grow. It's dynamic. It's life-giving. Everything changed when the river flowed. This is the river of the Spirit of God pouring out from heaven. This is the exalted rock, the resurrected Christ seated on high. And yet all that was required for this outpouring was to speak 
to the rock. That's all that was required. God's way was to speak to the rock and the miracle would be released. This is about a relationship. This is about fellowship. This is about coming in where, to, where you belong, into the heavenlies, into the holy of holies, into the presence of God. This is about coming and speaking with the one who reigns and rules on high. This is about fellowship. The Lord wanted a word, a spoken word, a plea, a cry, so he could pour out more water that can ever be imagined or asked for. Had he said, well, let's, let's make you a well, they would have had to go there. They would have had to draw it up. They would have had to disperse it. But no, he said, no, you leave it to me. I'm pouring out a mighty river. It's coming right your way now and it's going far and beyond. He is so good. He is extravagant. Hallelujah. Let's talk about Moses. Moses and Aaron, their actions had grave consequences. They had not listened to God. They'd taken things into their own hands. They'd done it their own way. They'd taken the opportunity to express anger and frustration with the Israelites. Effectively, they'd they'd said, we're going to produce this miracle our way. A double strike should do it. The double strike was an offence to God because it suggests that the striking of the rock that we read of in, in Exodus was insufficient for that moment. It was an offence to God because it was denying the cross of its power. In other words, it was totally dishonouring to God in front of all the people who were gathered to watch. He didn't listen, they didn't listen. They reverted to a familiar way and to old ways. Two strikes were required for such a rebellious people. No, the grace of God was there for us. Jesus died a death once for all. He paid the full price for our sins. The cross did conquer all, has conquered all, always will conquer all. The cross is totally sufficient. We come into his presence because the rock was split and made was way for us to live in the shelter of the rock. We're protected. We drink from the rock of salvation. And now the Holy Spirit is poured out for us all, all that we need, rivers of refreshing, rivers of living water. All we, never eat, all we ever need to do is speak to the rock and ask. Moses was not open to the new way that God wanted to do this. Consequently, Moses and Aaron would not go into the promised land with God's people. They were not the leaders that were required for this faith-filled, obedient journey. These two events at the beginning and the end of uh, this 40-year period start with Christ crucified and end with an exalted Christ risen, pouring out his Holy Spirit. But let's have a little sneaky peek in chapter 21, just for a quick moment because in chapter 21 we find that the people have now moved on to a place called Beer where there is a well and the Lord says to Moses gather the people together and and I'll give them water sound familiar yeah they did they gathered together but this time they started to sing a song They sang the song, spring up, O well, everybody sing, let's all sing together, let's remember the goodness of God and his power and his ways. 
they entered in to all that was theirs and they were refreshed and they drank from the well of salvation. In chapter 21, we can see that they are now people who are living in the promise. Hallelujah. So what does this mean for Living Rock Church? (laughs) Having looked at these two instances... Well, I want to say our our spiritual rock has travelled with us throughout this last year. We've known his presence in our homes, on our Zooms, on our walks. We've known his protection. It's been challenging. It's been tiring and frustrating. It's been hard more for for some than others. Um, It's been hard for young. It's been hard for old. But we have known his great provision We have lived in his blessing. This time has been a time when we've known his presence and his blessing. He surely is our rock. He is my rock and he's your rock too. These could be scary days if you don't know the rock. If you don't know the rock on who you can rely. But God wants everyone to know that there's a rock to be relied on. And in these times, people are fearful. They're anxious. Will I have a job? What's going to happen to my home? Will I get sick? I'm alone and I'm scared. How are my children going to recover from all the trauma and and harrowing of the last year? Can I trust anybody? Does anybody tell me the truth? As a result of this pandemic, some families are not going to be the same. People will have lost loved ones. Businesses have been closed or closed down. Schools are not the same. Mental health has become a huge concern across the board. I'm not going to go on. I think we're all very well aware of the challenges that lie ahead. But God wants us to help many find their rock, the rock of salvation and the exalted rock of life. He wants others to drink that water. For us, as we continue to press on in this year, we will find ourselves surrounded by huge needs in our communities. There is a lot of restoration required and there will be much more of that ahead. It's time for the rock of life to be courageously comforting and loving to the grieving and the sick and the hurting, being a source of security for those around us, pouring ourselves into others' pain and distress, loneliness and despair. It's time to listen to the instructions from the Lord. To be willing to do something in a new way. To be ready to bring life to those who are thirsty. God has a way he wants things to be done. Not Moses' method, not our great ideas, but God's way. Many years ago, a great prophet, Tony Ling, prophesied over this church. And he said that the rock of life would be smitten and rivers of living water would flow out and reach across the regions. I remember it very well. And when I read this passage, it came straight back into my heart. I believe we have seen some of that, but I believe the rivers still need to free flow to many other places. In fact, I believe it's time to burst the banks and saturate our communities and be like a rock of light, life in the desert. Can we saturate our areas of influence with the gospel? Can we saturate communities, schools, councils, towns, streets, the media? Yes, I think we can, because 
We have an abundant everyday supply from the living rock poured out from heaven that's filled with divine supernatural life. I felt moved by what Tony prophesied. I believe the water from the rock will cause our communities to flourish as the river overflows with the life and love of God. When I looked at the rock in Numbers 20, I remembered Victoria Falls and standing in front of it and seeing an incredible overflow of water. I heard it, I felt it, I looked at it and I was moved from within and I started to cry out to God for a sovereign mood of God that would come in our nation and through our regions and would flood the whole nation with the love and power of God. I saw his power and the wonder of him and I thought, Lord, let our nation see that. Let there be a revival that comes into our nation. I believe we need to be ready for anything. Anything is possible. If there is a spiritual rock in a desert or in the emptiness, then abundant life can be found. God gave me a vision when I was praying one day before Christmas. I saw a black swirling sea in the darkness of the night. The sea was full of people afraid of drowning and trying to keep their heads above water. There was also many, many life boys in the water, scattered everywhere in this tossing sea. They were you and they were me. We were the life boys and we were anchored to the rock. So it didn't matter how choppy the sea was, we were totally secure. And in that darkness, we reached our hands into the depths of that black sea and we grabbed a hand and we pulled them out. And then they clung to us. They clung to the life boys. They clung to us. People need to be able to cling to us in these times. It's time to make everything we have available for the mission. We own nothing. Everything belongs to the Lord. Our building, our car park, our equipment, our money, our time, our homes, our cars, our talents, our gifts, our very beings. It's all for his service. It's all for his kingdom advance. I wonder how he wants to work through them in these days and times. Let's be ready for new opportunities to release the love of God in new and creative ways as the Lord leads us. Let's speak to the rock. Ask, please, plead, petition about those who are in a desert and ask him to move through us to bring his life to to them. For us to be like the rock in the desert. In the desert. I want to encourage you with this verse. Isaiah 58, verses 11 to 12. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowering spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of the cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes. We have a big task ahead. Some building, rebuilding, some restoring, some watering, some refreshing. But we have a rock of life who is with us. A rock from whom we all drink the same water, who travels with us, who travels in us everywhere we go. He is Christ, the rock of life. He is the exalted rock of life. 
all-powerful and all-plentiful, and we can rely on him. So, my friends, my brothers and sisters, God's precious people, his missionaries in this desert, let's be a people who drink from the rock of life within, who are obedient to the instruction of the Lord, who are courageous and ready to overflow and to saturate the communities around us and beyond. Let us be those who drink and are ready to rebuild, are ready to restore life in our streets, our towns and our villages. Let us be the living rock, the rock of life. In the name of Jesus, I pray it. Amen, amen. May God bless you all and keep you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.